RPC Radio. Hello, and welcome to Money Covered, a podcast from RPC aimed at those dealing with complaints and claims in the financial services sector. I'm Ash Daniels, the host of this podcast. And each month we'll discuss topical issues of relevance to those dealing with complaints and claims against FCA regulated entities, TPR regulated entities, as well as offshore professionals and accountants. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening. Thank you for joining us today. Today I welcome back David Allenson. Now, David, our most recent conversations have typically tended to revolve around dad duties and toilet training puppies, all very glamorous, I'm sure you'll agree. But today we've decided to discuss something a little more suitable for Money Covered, and that is pension drawdowns. Although at this stage, if anyone does need toilet training puppy tips, I'm probably your man. How is it going in general? Um, I can sympathize with Ash on the toilet training thing. I've got two dogs myself, and one of them a year and a half in is still not fully toilet trained. So any tips you can pass them my way if you like. <laughs> it's, it's okay. I think if it could stop raining, that would probably be good because my dog seems to have a phobia of anything wet. So the grass, the, the rain, which makes going outside and toilet training fun in mid-March. But we, we are where we you wonder are. why we do this to ourselves sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. But welcome back to Money Covered, to Season 2, David, your first appearance of Season 2. Firstly, could you give me a brief summary of what exactly Drawdown is? I guess it sounds quite obvious, but is it? Yes, as, as a concept, it is pretty straightforward uh, to start. Predictably, at the beginning, there's uh, two parts to the life cycle of the pension, really. There's your accumulation phase and then decumulation. Accumulation is when you pay into your pension, you hope to get some sort of investment return so that ultimately you have a big enough fund to keep you going in retirement in the manner in which you're accustomed. Then decumulation is the process by which you seek to access those funds when you do come to take benefits. So there's various ways that you can do that. If you had a defined benefit pension, it's probably the most straightforward thing because then you would be paid a percentage of your final salary for life rising with inflation. If you had a private pension, then your options were broadly either an annuity purchase or a drawdown. And an annuity purchase is where you hand over your capital to an insurance company and in return, they provide you with an income for life based on the value of that capital. Now, drawdown was your other option. Uh, It was potentially slightly more risky because you would be looking to take income from the value of your private pension whilst leaving the bulk of it invested. So a certain proportion of that fund would remain liquid in order to provide you with income and the rest would be invested in shares, bonds, just hopefully sensible investments which are going to produce a return and nothing unusual or esoteric like a lot of the ones that we tend to see. And the growth ideally would allow for you to take the income you wanted whilst hopefully providing a barrier against inflation and could even give you the option of leaving the capital that remained when you passed away to your estate. So effectively, drawdown is a way that you can take your pension benefits, one of many. And it's uh, it's been of increasing popularity recently. Yeah, well, I was going to say, so it's something that's been available before. So what has changed in recent years? Why has it become more prevalent, more popular lately? Yes, indeed. it's It's been around for some time. Uh, The main reason, I think, why it's exploded in popularity recently is the advent of pension freedoms. A lot of the stuff we do with pensions goes back to this. 
And pensions freedoms effectively just did away with the restrictions on how you could access your pension when you came to take benefits. Prior to 2015, when these changes came into force, drawdown was available, but it was capped at 150% of what level of income could be obtained if you were to purchase an annuity. So still higher than annuity income, but there was a limit on it. Now that that's been done away with, the full value of the pension is potentially available to someone who comes to take benefits. And they can take it how they wish, subject, of course, to normal tax rules and so on. And you can see how that will be incredibly tempting for someone who's been working for a long time and then coming on to retirement. Not everyone enjoys their job as much as you and I do, Ash. No, but even that is still tempting. It certainly is. And this ties in again with DB pension transfers. So in simple terms, because a lot of people transfer these valuable defined benefit pension schemes, there's a lot more people out there with fairly valuable pension funds that they can now access. So I've done some detective work. And from what I've been able to determine, the average defined contribution pension fund is around £107,000. So not massive sums of money, but that compares with an average value of 336000 for a defined benefit pension that was advised on between 2021 and 2022, according to the FCA's figures. So defined benefit pensions can have that much higher capital value, which just makes it much more tempting potentially to access that and do something, let's say, a little bit irresponsible with it, uh, buying that speedboat that you've always dreamed of if speedboats are what you potentially would wish to purchase a retirement, I personally think that would be more hassle than it's worth. Okay, well, what would you do very quickly out of interest? It's an excellent question. Um, <laughs> maybe a classic sports car would be quite good fun, but it's such a cliche. I was just about to say that it's such a cliche. I'm almost disappointed in you. I'll, I'll go a bit different. And I'm, I'm, I'm a motorbike guy. So I go for a classic motorbike and then obviously hire a mechanic who I could keep around <laughs> to make sure that it actually ran when I wanted to use it. But anyway, back to drawdown. A reasonable number of these people with these large pension funds would have had secure benefits if they'd retained their defined pension scheme. And it's something which the FCA in particular is um, hot to at the moment. And there's another topical thing that ties into this and another reason why people are accessing drawdown in increasing numbers. And that's because early retirement, ever since the pandemic has been attractive for people in their 50s in particular, at the moment you can start accessing a pension at 55. And we're increasingly seeing people of that kind of age looking to take benefits where they can. Uh, this has led to Catherine Mann of the Monetary Policy Committee at the Bank of England raising concerns about people in their 50s taking early retirement because they may not have accumulated enough money to last during retirement. And there's also increased longevity for people in general with most people living to their late 80s. And that could mean people having to re-enter the workforce after they had retired. And um, that might be quite disappointing. Anyway, so more people are accessing Drawdown. Would you like some statistics, Ash? Big fan of statistics, David. Hit me. Well, the FCA collated some data on Drawdown income for the 2021 to 2022 period, and they showed that people accessing Drawdown had increased by 24% in contrast to the previous year. Uh, a total of 205,000 people accessed Drawdown in that period, and that compared with 68,000 people who purchased an annuity. So arguably more people going for that slightly riskier option than potentially, quote unquote, the safe option. But the risk in a nutshell with Drawdown, which is a great opportunity for a lot of people, and if it's done properly, can be an excellent way to fund your retirement, is that uh, going back to the classic car, motorbike, speedboat thing, people can make rash decisions and I think as a species, we're not necessarily the best at looking out for our own long-term well-being or 
really grasping long-term consequences. So yes, it's been around for a while, but the combination of pension freedoms and DB transfers has put a rocket under it. Do you think we're going to be seeing an increase as a result of the cost of living crisis? You know, time, times are harder, actually. Maybe it's a more attractive option for people just to free up some cash. That, that is potentially, I think, a real concern. And this ties in with some concerns that the FCA has about later life income in general. Another thread of that is lifetime mortgages and equity release, which is people accessing money from either their property or a pension that maybe they should be leaving where it is so that it can grow. And if you're starting to access a pension to pay normal living expenses, perhaps while you're still working, then it's potentially not the best option to fund yourself in retirement. No, absolutely. It's not a good sign if you're having to take money out of your pension whilst you're still putting into it. Um, but maybe it's my experiences, I guess, of the number of pension claims that we see as a team. But it sounds quite open to problems. So how exactly is it regulated? What are the FCA having to say about it? Are they fans? Are they sort of taking the DB view where they're hating it and coming down hard? Well, it's a hot issue for the FCA, but they're still very much at the information gathering stage with this at the moment. But they've been taking an increased level of interest really since pension freedoms. Before then, it was the case that you would either take your defined benefit pension income or you would probably purchase an annuity. And there was a requirement that you had to use your residual funds to purchase an annuity at a certain point in time. So fewer options for people. And I guess from the regulator's perspective, therefore less scope for people to make the wrong decision. But they are looking at this now, and that's a natural follow-on to their work with DB transfers again. More people have transferred pensions, some of considerable size, who will be investing them and looking to access them at some point. And the FCA published a retirement outcomes review in June 2018. And the objective of that was to look at retirement income post-pension freedoms, again, as part of their uh, work into later life income. Now, post-2015, we've obviously had a lot more people with those significant DC schemes. And the FCA data shows that between October 2018 and March 2020, the average size of a DB scheme advised on was 336,000, as I've mentioned, and there were 26,000 such transfers in 2021 to 2022, according to the FCA's data. And that was after the peak time of people transferring pensions. So again, a lot of people who've done this, large sums of money, big area for potential concern. Now, the policy statement that the FCA put out noted that in light of pension freedoms, the decision for what people were going to do had become more complex. And people tend to choose the path of least resistance with these things. I read a brilliant statistic, which I obviously can't verify a while ago, saying that you're more likely to change your allegiance as an adult to a football club than you are to change your bank account, which just shows how um, how easy it is to fall into habits and not to necessarily look at what might be the best option for you. So, as an Arsenal fan, I can, I can fully <laughs> understand that position. I guess an area I can't comment on is an ongoing joke in the team is my lack of football knowledge. So I'll just keep completely quiet. I thought Arsenal were quite good. At this. We're having a very good year, but but it's not always been the case. Uh, well, I'm happy for you. That's good. Long may it continue. But people will often sleepwalk into retirement without really considering what they're going to do. Some of the concerns the FCA raised people being charged high fees, uh, leaving their funds invested in cash, which is not going to produce enough of a return over the lifetime of the fund to support them in retirement. And if you're sleepwalking, what do you need? Well, a wake-up pack. And these have been something that there's been a requirement to provide to people for some time, but the policy statements contain recommendations to effectively beef these up a bit. So 
to be provided earlier in the process to people from age 50, so five years before they can start accessing their benefits, and at five-year intervals thereafter, and they include risk warnings and summaries and cover fund values and charges and a discussion around the options for access, such as uh, drawdown or an annuity. And as you'd expect from anything in COBS, when you have any risk warnings, these are incredibly long and prescriptive. So I encourage everyone to go away and have a good read of those. Now, that policy statement focused on people who hadn't taken advice when they were going into uh, crystallizing benefits. But the FCA is now also going to be running a thematic review, which will consider outcomes for customers who access pensions when they came to retire on an advised basis. Now, the thematic review is a review that the FCA will commission when they've got concerns about a particular area of advice or product so that they can gain information and decide what action they want to take next. And they announced this review in January 2023, and we're expecting the results of it in, I believe, the third quarter of this year. So not too long to wait. As I get older, time increasingly goes quickly, so the anticipation will not last for too long. But anyway, it's it's covering advice, as I mentioned. And the FCA's data says that about 33% of people accessing pension funds took advice. And whilst not all of these people would have gone into drawdown, uh, 705,000 people accessed pensions for the first time in 2021 to 2022. So based on the proportion that are taking drawdown, that's about 205,000 people. And based on 33% receiving advice, that's a lot of advice being given. So potentially a lot of scope for the FCA to gather information and potentially find issues. Uh, One thing which might be of concern is that 40% of people who are making regular withdrawals from pensions in that period of time, we're taking an annual rate of over 8% of the value of the fund, which is quite high when you think that you might be accessing your pension in your 60s and have another 30 years to live. There's a rough rule of thumb that you should withdraw 4% when you first come to access a pension, uh, increase that in line with inflation, and then continue to take income at that level throughout retirement. And then the money should last for about 25 years again, rough rule of thumb. If you're going at 8%, then you're going to deplete it much, much faster. And there's a very real risk that you might run out of money. As I said, we're very much at the discovery and information gathering stage, but the FCA has concerns about later life income. And I'm going to tie in with what Rachel discussed when she was on this podcast, talking about the consumer duty, which was um, excellent and well worth listening to anyone who hasn't picked it up yet. Excellent, excellent idea to float back to episode two. Thank you, David. You were great on that too, Ash, not just Rachel. But it's going to tie in the drawdown advice that people receive with the, that need to be providing good consumer outcomes. So what is a good consumer outcome when you come to access your pension? How does longevity and having enough income when you're in your 90s tie in with the benefit that you get from accessing potentially more money when you're younger to actually enjoy it and do stuff? It's a difficult question, and I, I don't know the answer to that, but I would suspect the FCA will weigh heavily on the side of the argument saying that people should have serious concern for their long-term financial well-being. Absolutely. And that, and that slightly curveballs into my next questions. Thank you very much. Um, what is the position with claims? Are you seeing many? It's a relatively recent sort of activity, I guess, or it's certainly become popular more recently. So I suspect we're in the early stages. But if we haven't seen many yet, do you think that's going to change going forward? Yeah, it's potentially got a long tail There's a couple of ways that we're going to see complaints and claims on this. So potentially litigated cases or probably more likely complaints going to the financial ombudsman service who, again, to time with the consumer duty, will be considering that as part of how they 
decide what's fair and reasonable going forwards. But perhaps more immediately, we might see complaints arising out of the FCA's thematic review. It could be firm-led past business reviews, potentially the use of a skilled person under Section 166. If the FCA spots concerns with advice given by a firm, they may be looking for fallback, going into potentially risky investments if they're not receiving proper cash flow forecasting when they come to access their pension so they can assess the risk of running out of money. That could lead to isolated or potentially wider reviews of that advice, which is likely to be quicker. Normal complaints and claims are going to be longer tail, and we're probably not going to see a lot of those until people start to run out of money or markets drop, which has happened in the past few days. We're recording this on the is it the 13th or the 14th? 14th of March today. 14th of March. Thank you. After markets have taken a bit of a tumble. So if you see something consistent on that basis, you could lead to people arguing that it wasn't the right decision for them to take drawdown. Obviously, decreased returns mean you're more likely to run out of money. And another concern that we potentially have at the moment is that annuity rates are pretty high at the moment compared to where they've been in the past 10, 10 years at least, probably more like 15 and in very simple terms, what that means is that your same amount of money can buy you a much higher level of income now than it would have done a year or two ago. And that's great when you're calculating redress on defined benefit pension transfer cases because it costs less to replace those benefits. But if people weren't advised to purchase an annuity when those rates are high, if they subsequently decrease annuity rates and similarly people deplete their pension funds and end up with limited or no money in retirement will we see people arguing that they should have been instructed to purchase an annuity at around this point in time so that there's potential for this to go a long way into the future well i guess on that point who do you think claims might be made against so you've mentioned obviously that customers are taking advice and therefore i'm you know assuming on that basis that they're not required to take advice before they take a drawdown but obviously, you've got those ones where advice has been taken and claims could be made against those individuals. But who else do you think claims might be made against? Yeah, I think the key one is going to be anyone who is involved in the advice process. As you say, there's no requirement to take advice. But uh, uh, 33% of people did with the most recent period we have data for. And it's, it's a sensible thing to do, I think, if you're making financial planning decisions for the whole of your retirement. So particularly if you went into something that was too risky or interestingly not risky enough if you're not going to be generating the return you need to sustain your pension fund in retirement that's potentially going to be something which causes issues and sustainability really is key particularly for early retirees or is it the case that advisors should be telling people in their 50s well you can't afford to retire now again perhaps there's scope for complaints and claims that Another uh, potential target could be product providers, again, tying it in with the consumer duty. If people are choosing particular investment products in retirement, you've got to think about what obligation there is on people who are creating those products to consider the target market for it. So let's go for, uh, for challenges there or potentially anyone who's managing the pension fund if it's transferred to a DFM, for example. Sadly, I think advisors probably will be at the forefront for any potential claims. Yeah, it's interesting. It's not really an argument we hear very often, at least in recent years, that investments haven't been risky enough. At least it'll be a change of pace for us all. Indeed. Um, <laughs> I, I guess the final question from me is, is there anything that insurers and or underwriters need to be thinking about going forward? So obviously, you know better than anyone. We've seen the problems with DV transfers in recent years. I'm yeah, I'm sure insurers are hoping this isn't going to be on the same level. But is there anything they should be thinking about at the moment? There's some things which is worth keeping in mind, I think. Uh, probably the key one 
it's quite a broad concern is where are funds being invested if people are being advised to move to drawdown? Are they going into sensible long-term funds which are going to provide the right balance between liquidity and growth? That's going to be key. And obviously, as not being financial advisors ourselves, you can't judge whether or not the predicted return is, is realistic necessarily. But if something is sensible and mainstream, it will be easier to justify from a claims point of view. Another key thing will be cash flow forecasting. So was there sufficient modeling done to justify the decision to enter drawdown and to enter it at the level that the person started to take income at? What controls and warnings are in place to warn about depletion? And what discussion was there of other options? You and I both know you can be slapped on the wrist by the FCA if you're not giving sufficient uh, consideration to alternatives when someone came to access a DB pension, for example. And indeed, the ombudsman does that as well. And any information that uh, firms are providing under the thematic review will potentially be key and will give a really good insight into what type of advice they were giving. So that's something else is, uh, to be kept in mind is how they're responding to that. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for taking myself and listeners through that, David. It's, it's really good and it's interesting to have kind of a, an early sort of view of what could be happening in the coming years. So yeah. I'm sure listeners will be very grateful for that. Um, it's great to have you back on the podcast. Thank you for joining me again. And hopefully we can get you back on soon, particularly if the uh, the FCA's findings are revealed in the third quarter. It can be a nice Christmas present for listeners. Absolutely. it's uh, It'll be good to see you. Yeah, watch this space. Brilliant. Thanks very much, David. RPC Radio. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you'll join us again next month when we'll be discussing the hot topics in the financial services sector. Please do click to subscribe and be sure to check out our other RPC publications at rpc.co.uk forward slash perspectives. Finally, many thanks to today's guests as well as everyone behind the scenes at RPC that make this podcast possible. Thank you.